Well, first of all, uh, thanks for having me on this morning, Alan. We don't know the reasons why Colette Clown is on leave, and um, there are personal reasons to her, and I don't don't think we should necessarily go through them on air. However, however, I am very happy to give my critique of management in the hospital. I think which is which is separate from the personalising of why someone's on leave. Um, I think it's mismanaged and it has been for an awful long time. Uh, and just we often talk about the trolley figures and they're excessively high. They broke all records there just last week. But if we talk about some other figures, UHL has had a 19% increase in its funding since 2020. That's a huge amount of money going in. It has its highest ever number of staff. And yet it has repeatedly come up. We've, it's been highlighted the House of the and it's also been highlighted in HICWA reports that there are certain management and oversight issues in the hospital that I believe still haven't been properly addressed. So I, I think it's absolutely right that we should scrutinise that repeatedly, repeatedly. We are not getting the same return as other regions. Admittedly, now, we don't have maybe the same depth of emergency department depth as, as other regions might have. But we don't get the same return in terms of the, 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 the amount of funding being channeled into this hospital, the number of staff working there, the patient outcomes and the true flow of patients isn't enough. And I've uh, called on the Oireachtas Health Committee, I've written to the clerk just last week, um, asking that um, the Professor Kelly Cowan and her management team come before the committee to account for management deficiencies uh, as I see it. Additionally, Alan, I've long highlighted on your show and it, it's a cause of ongoing frustration to me. The management are, are not located on the hospital campus. They're based in an office unit about a kilometre and a half away from the hospital itself in the Raheen Industrial Estate. I don't think you can effectively manage a hospital environment, an acute hospital system, when you're not based in that hospital system. So do you think then uh, that the management at ULHG ha- should be replaced as uh, your colleague Vonetan Wynn says as a matter of urgency should the whole team step down? I don't I don't know what that will solve overnight uh, but I certainly think they're Well it mightn't solve anything overnight but maybe in the, the short to medium term it might because this situation isn't I, getting any better. I've said to Minister Stephen, uh, Stephen Donnelly he absolutely needs to insist that this management team be on site in the first instance because that has been that has been identified. Management shortcomings have been identified in HICWA reports. I think they need to be on site. Uh, everyone's head rolling. I don't think that will solve a whole lot, but I think there needs to be way more oversight. I think government and the Department of Health and HSE um, and Dr. Colm Henry and all of the top brass in the HSE, I think, need to have huge scrutiny on um, UHL. Um, does the, the health does the, does, does the health minister need to have more scrutiny on UHL call? Of course, he does. But all of the HSE, it does, does a whole. HSE but is because with, with respect, his recent comments, you know, where he's talking about there's no standing over the numbers, uh, saying the government has invested more in University Hospital Limerick than any other hospital. It makes it sound as if he's kind of saying, well, look, we've done, we've given plenty of money and resources, and they're not doing well enough with it. It, it, it sounds as if he's putting all the blame on the management uh, at UHL hospitals. There's more beds delivered in the past three years than there was since the hospital was constructed way back in the 50s. There's more staff than has ever been there. But it is still essentially when you boil it down, no matter how much money is put... uh, Cahill, no, no, two seconds, Cahill, Cahill, when uh, you all, despite all the money being put into University Hospital Limerick, it is still only one emergency department for a region of 400,000 plus people. Surely no matter what, how many, uh, you'd want to put in a serious number of extra beds to uh, rectify that situation. Yeah, I've long said the problems in UHL don't just get rectified in UHL alone. And I think there has been increased role for Ennis, Nina and St. John's, but in particular Ennis. Uh, and I think there's a there's a really strong analysis there by the friends of Ennis Hospital. They've, uh, I brought them to meet with Minister Donnelly last year. 
um, Deirdre Culligan and Angela Call from that committee and, and Killian Murphy, Councillor Killian Murphy, Kilkee, were all there when we met Stephen Donnelly. We presented them with the statistics. So it is a fact, and I was trying to make this point a moment, it is a fact that in the history of UHL, the funding has never been higher, the staffing cohort has never been higher, the number of beds available has never been higher, and yet the patient outcomes have never been worse. Um, you can rectify that in a number of ways. Sweeping changes in terms of how it's managed, absolutely, and I think that's been identified many times over. And I think this is now very much coming to a head again this week. Additionally, we need more and more bed blocks, and we have another 96 bed block which will go for planning this year. But I think Ennis, Nina, and St John's, and principally Ennis, cannot be cannot be um, taken out of the the, the, the consideration that here either, because the, the downgrading of those hospitals, I would say, is what has largely led us this okay. situation we uh, find us okay. I want to bring Martin in at this point Martin your thoughts on this the overcrowding and you know the, the point calls making there that look the government's put in a lot of money and uh, there's still issues at the hospital and the point that I'm making that no matter how much money you pump into University Hospital Limerick it is still just one emergency department for a very uh, region with a large population and does that uh, raise the question as Carl has touched on of doing something with the other emergency departments or maybe as uh, Carl's uh, party colleague Killian Murphy suggested on this show uh, upgrading Ennis to a Model 3 hospital with an emergency department rather than opening the three EDs at Ennis General Nina and St John's. Yeah, well I think we'd all uh, love to see um, Ennis become a Model 3 hospital there's no doubt about that. Uh, in terms of uh, an A&E uh, for the region, uh, if there was, uh, if, if the capacity is available in Limerick, I think it's perfectly suitable. Uh, to cater for 400,000 people. Uh, But unfortunately, we're still building capacity. The new 96-bed unit uh, won't be operational until the start of next year. And the second 96-bed block uh, won't be operational until 2027. And unfortunately, there's nothing a minister or management team can do to to speed that up. Uh, The reality is that's the the time frame uh, in terms of construction. And uh, in terms of the second 96-bed block, uh, at least um, a lot of the commissioning work and the grounds work is being done uh, in terms of constructing the first block uh, to ensure that uh, time is, uh, I suppose, achieved in terms of that. Uh, Regarding uh, the management team at UHL, I'd agree with Cahill. Um, You know, uh, I I, I do believe that uh, Sonia Cotter uh, is a good interim appointment. Um, the fact that uh, Sandra Brannigan was appointed as the uh, RHA uh, director before Christmas, um, I suppose, does signify the fact that the HSE and uh, Bernard Gloucester and the minister uh, are taking the situation in Limerick uh, very, very seriously. Martin, Sandra uh, Roderick, she took up that role as the OREO last December. Uh, yes. Should we have heard from her since taking up the role and what or what she is planning to try and uh, tackle this this situation at University Hospital Limerick? Um, I, I, I think it's always good to hear from people. Uh, as um, uh, members of the Oireachtas, we had an engagement with her uh, about two weeks ago. Um, she's probably still reading herself into her role, uh, but I have every confidence that she's going to make a difference, um, along with um, uh, Sonia Cotter as well. So, look at... Um, replacing the entire management team it's, 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 it's a good line it's, it's a good headline Well should uh, they at least appear before the Oireachtas Health Committee as Friends of Ennis Hospital cam- Campaign Group and people would have heard them uh, mention that on the Clare FM News uh, have asked for them to do should they and will they? 
Absolutely, they should. Um, I, I, I have requested um, that uh, UHL appear before the Health Committee as well. I believe Cahill has done the same. Uh, I think that engage, engagement would be very useful. They were before the Health Committee last September 12 months um, uh, at my request. And, um, uh, you know, there was a, a, a two and a half, three hour engagement at that, uh, at that time. But I think now, two, nearly two years on, that it would be a good idea uh, for them to appear uh, before the health committee. Okay. Uh, Carl, you were saying just before I went to Martin that you think we need to look at reopening the three um, emergency departments. How likely do you think that is to happen, though? The, the calls have been coming from uh, the region for a long time now and we've heard various reasons as to why it won't happen certainly with Ennis General we've heard the health minister himself and let's mention it's on patient safety grounds will the government and the HC finally accept that if not all three at least one of the three uh, A&E's needs to reopen I think yeah I think there's two sides to this I think far too often I keep hearing people defending the 2009 downgrading decision and it boils my blood when I hear the reference to the centres, centre of excellence, because it never materialised. If you downgrade one, you need to significantly upgrade the other to meet capacity, and that simply didn't happen for the decade that followed. Can I ask why it didn't? And though that happened, that happened when your party was in power. Uh, why, why did they not significantly uh, upgrade the others? Any reasons? Yeah, there were over that decade. There were three parties, I suppose, that, that at various stages held held the reins of government. It was Fianna Fáil. Uh, there was Labour, there was uh, Greens and Fine Gael. Um, and, and it is a fact that the 2009 decision didn't work and that's been admitted by Minister Stephen Donnelly in the Dáil uh, recently in the, in, the sense that, in the sense that there wasn't the investment that followed since Minister Mary Harney at the time um, espoused these centres of excellence that never materialised. I believe the only way you can uh, address an error is to reverse it to some degree at least. Now, I don't think in, in the... Sh- we're, we're talking here in February 2024, I don't think it's realistic um, at this very minute to fully upgrade um, Ennis, Nina and St John's so that all three have a 24-7 A&E immediately. I don't think uh, that is... And I think I think that's been bored out actually by, by, by medical, the medical experts of this. But it just so, seems, Carl, uh, sorry, it just seems we're 15 years on from reconfigure. We're 15 years on from reconfigure. Hang on, Carl. Because it's haggard. It okay, go on, go on. Um, so it's, I, I, this point has been... It's been the source of a big argument actually politically and, and on social media over the last few weeks. I don't think it's realistically in the short, realistic in the short term that all three ANEs would reopen again. But I think it, it's important that the region would focus on where we can best maybe meet the needs. And I think the upgrading of the medical assessment unit, the injuries unit, and I would be supportive. I would be supportive of an upgrading of Ennis General Hospital to alleviate UHL pressure. And that support that I would be giving. Uh, would include its return to 24-hour A&E. And I think it's essential that that become our medium to long-term aspiration. But in the short term, the local injury unit and the medical assessment unit be bumped up to initially 18 hours over seven days. And I would ideally like to see it move up to 24 over seven when we have the staffing that we can do all that. Martin, I'll put that point to you then. As Carl says, you know, reconfiguration happened in 2009. We're 15 years on. Stephen Donnelly's mentioning, you know, the the investment, the significant investment in University Hospital Limerick. We've been, the calls for those three EDs to reopen have been ongoing for a long time now. Should those EDs 
have been uh, should the money, some of the money or a chunk of the money that was invested in UHL have been redirected to significantly upgrading those emergency departments somewhere in the past uh, rather than getting 15 years on from reconfiguration and we see the national overcrowding record broken twice in the one week by University Hospital. Yeah, I, I couldn't disagree with any of that. Um, uh, back in 2004 uh, when uh, reconfiguration was muted, uh, I along with thousands of people in County Clare uh, protested uh, at, at the closure of the A&E at the time. Um, it, it really was putting the cart before the horse. Um, you know, the investment and uh, I suppose the scaling up of UHL needed to happen first. Uh, it didn't, um, but there's no point now. Sure, but should it have happened at some point during the lifetime of the Fine Gael led government from 2011 to 2016 or from 2016 to 2020 or as part of this coalition now? Well, it, it, it should have happened uh, between uh, 2002 and 2011 when we had the money uh, in the country to do it, but it didn't. And there's no point in rewinding the clock now and there's no point in, in continuously having that debate. Uh, the reality is we are in a situation where we, we're seeing record uh, numbers of people on trolleys and we're all getting calls in our offices and people uh, whose loved ones are on trolleys. So what, what needs to happen now is we, we need to see um, uh, investment in uh, Ennis and Nina and St John's, absolutely. Um, and I would love to see a 24-hour A&E in Ennis Hospital, uh, but only if that is what's recommended by clinicians and people uh, who know what they're talking about in the country. How likely is any of this to happen, though? Will you be pressing your your party colleagues, those in a position to do something about this, or pressing sure. Minister Donnelly to, to try and uh, expedite any of these potential developments? We're always pressing uh, uh, for investment in NS Hospital, absolutely. Um, and, and like when you see the, the network of primary care centres that have been built around the country and even the one in Ennis and Station Road, uh, I mean, they're fantastic facilities. All of those, uh, when they are fully operational and the one that's proposed in Ennis Diamond and uh, the second one in Ennis, uh, and when, when all of those are, 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 are properly uh, uh, up and running, uh, that will also play a part in, the, in, in alleviating the problems at UHL. Um, this is a whole of health um, uh, care operation to, to, to try and deal with the, the, the numbers and trolleys uh, in Ennis uh, or in Limerick. And that includes upgrading Ennis and it includes upgrading St John's and Ian as well. Cahill, we've seen the likes of Senator Paul Gavin calling for Stephen Donnelly to step down over the ongoing situation at University Hospital Limerick. Should he step down over this? No. Um, <coughs> no, he shouldn't. Um, again, I think it's important that these figures are referenced. Um, I became a TD in 2020 and this government is now almost four years old and in that period the funding for UHL and for talking about UHL specifically the funding has gone up 19% almost one-fifth of what it was in any other year so it's gone up hugely the staffing has gone up I don't have the figure here in front of me it's gone up massively as well by hundreds um, the two new bed blocks um, new di- di- kidney dialysis unit there's a whole lot going on there and yet the outcomes are you know, pretty poor for many patients and others actually have had good experiences. It's very important we say that because any time we have these debates, invariably, I'll get an email during the day saying from someone saying, you know what, I had a good experience there as well. So it's, it's not every patient's experience, but it's for too many. Um, it's the languishing on trolleys or worse again in an armchair in A&E. That's, I think, what we need to get beyond. And, Paul, and can I, I just I, ask you about I, on the money point, though? You know, and Stephen Donnelly has, he, as I mentioned earlier, pointed out that the government has invested more in UHL during the lifetime of this government than any other hospital. But all this money's been pumped in and he's, 
saying that you know putting all of this on UL Hospitals Group management has he has he has he more or less just been leaving them at it? Should there not have been a closer eye on uh, the amount of money going in and how it's being spent? Because it, it doesn't seem to have produced the results we would have hoped for. So he's he's personally visited the hospital on many occasions, and he sent his most senior staff down uh, for a number of unannounced visits as well. So I think I think he has a lot of oversight on it. Uh, Troy Money's situation is important and it alone, however, isn't the solution to everything. And I think maybe on foot of um, what Martin and I are calling for for them to come before the Oireachtas Committee, uh, that's kind of a, that's where you get kind of interrogated and you ask questions. But I think the Minister now um, should overhaul, um, should haul, I should say, the management over to his department as well um, to answer some very serious questions about where all this money has gone. Uh, I'm not saying it's just disappeared or anything, but where, where in terms of productiveness has it gone? Um, where are the outcomes that, that, that patients desire? The rostering, I think, is, leaves a lot to be desired as well. It doesn't operate. It, it is open on a 24-7 basis, but in an operational sense, it, it, decisions, clinical decisions and senior medical decisions aren't taken on a 24-7 basis, and that has to be addressed. Okay. I agree with everything Mark says. There's one thing I just slightly... In it. We, we, we're very much on the one page in this, but the, I think he, he said we have to move on. Of course we do. But I think we also need to repeatedly address the, the reasons um, that, that some give for downgrading the hospital because the sad reality is there are many in the medical world, uh, there are many senior medic, medical practitioners and there are still some of the political realm that consider that to have been a positive decision that led to positive outcomes until you address um, that problem. And, and Martin and I accept that it hasn't worked, but until there's a uniform uh, recognition of that, I think it's very hard to address the problem when some people still believe that this worked and we're still building towards Which, a better yeah, UHL. You, you can't just even in isolation, you have to look at Ennisleen and St John's. It's not going to be magic wand stuff. You're not going to have A&E's in all of those hospitals again overnight or anything like that. But the capacity has to be built in UHL and also beyond it in, in hospitals okay. like this. Okay, last word to you, Martin. It, it feels, and people listening this morning will just feel like we're hearing, uh, they're hearing, you know, Stephen Donnelly is pointing the finger towards management as UL Hospitals Group. It, it feels to people listening like nobody nobody is shouldering the responsibility for this uh, who who is to blame for this is it the, is it the government for not uh, Carl feels that Stephen Donnelly's been very much involved in this uh, should they been keep more of a watching brief should they've made a move on reopening the emergency departments in Ennis Neen and St John's uh, a, a long time ago it feels like the book is being passed around and the situation just continues to get worse yeah and I I accept and understand that and uh, I often wonder myself actually uh, who is uh, ultimately, ultimately to blame for uh, the situation. Well, is it the succession of governments that have been in power for the last 15 years, including your party and, and Cahill's party? Yeah, but sure, look at, um, and, and that is true, and there's no point in denying that, uh, but like the, the, the medical advice um, uh, to the government at the time uh, was that uh, you create a centre of excellence, and that never happened. And um, the investment didn't happen in Ennis, uh, or in um, Limerick, when it should have happened. Uh, back in 2007, 2008, after reconfiguration. And what we're doing now is essentially playing catch-up. And, you know, we're not the only uh, A&E uh, suffering uh, from overcrowding. Uh, we're the worst, absolutely, but there are other A&Es as well where, where there are challenges. Um, yes, we do get it right. Uh, and you look at Waterford as an example of where uh, they have got it right. And uh, Well, do we need to copy what they're doing then? Well, we need to learn from what they're doing, absolutely. And, okay. Um, 
I've I, I said that repeatedly. Uh, but what, what we need to see is clearly a reduction in the number of people on trolleys in the A&E in Limerick. And until that happens, uh, you know, people like Cahill and I are going to continue putting pressure on the Minister, on the HSE, on people like Bernard Gloucester. And we will continue to look for answers because that's what people expect us to do. And will you continue uh, to look for answers within your own uh, government, within your own parties and people there who can, who can uh, influence this uh, situation? All the time, Alan. Uh, I regularly, uh, as do other colleagues of mine uh, within Fine Gael, raise it on a regular basis at our parliamentary party meetings with the Taoiseach uh, and others. And when the Taoiseach took over as Taoiseach uh, last uh, last January, within two or three weeks, uh, he came and he visited um, uh, the, the, the A&E uh, in Limerick. Uh, when it comes to a commitment from government in terms of money, there, there is no uh, limit to the amount of money that government will make available to resolve the problems in Limerick because I think there's a realisation among everybody in government that this is a problem that needs to be addressed. Okay, um, we do... We, we we do have to leave it there, unfortunately, gentlemen. Time is uh, very much against us, but my thanks to the Fine Gael, uh, Senator from Ennis Diamond, Martin Conway, and to the Fianna Fáil a TD from Co- uh, Mielic, Cahill Crow there. Uh, we received a statement from the HSE uh, in relation uh, to uh, the UL Hospitals Group uh, CEO, uh, Professor Colette Cowan, uh, taking an official leave period, and uh, the statement... Uh, It says, when a delegated official is on leave, there are always acting arrangements put in place to ensure there is authority to discharge functions and operate services at all times. Further to your query, Ms Sonia Cotter, uh, Assistant National Director of the HSC, is to be the acting CEO of Yale Hospitals Group from February 14th for the purpose of covering leave.